Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. Uh, Just a quick one here. I had to get going because I was staying in an Airbnb, and uh, we pushed the recording right until I was about to check out. Um, We've got a great episode for you this week. We are joined once again by Todd from Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod. Um, Yeah, you know, same typical stuff. Patreon. <laughs> We've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast to check out all of that. Um, if you're looking for a new place to listen to our show, uh, might we suggest Rooster Teeth, Cock-a-Doodle-Doo, and whatnot. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm just going to say it. Without any further ado, let's get into the show. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Todd Schlosser! Yay! Yay! And uh, hey, it's my week. Yeah! It's your week, again! I can't tell you how how hard it has been for me to not Google this shit. (laughs) It has been a struggle all week. I felt like I left off on a really good place. Like that felt like a TV show cliffhanger. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Just like yeah, I get your ass. You're coming back next week. I know you are. Please don't Google it. Please don't look up the story. But <laughs> I mean, I I am back the next week. <laughs> yes. So yes, yes, that's true. That worked. Yeah. We were banking recordings, and so we actually recorded the episode that'll come after this yesterday, and. Armando was telling our guest for that episode the story, and I had to take my headphones out <laughs> until he was done and then put them back in. Oh, yeah. That was so fun because we were on a Zoom call, so Paige could see her face, and it was just like, okay, uh-huh. What? And then just yeah. like <laughs> getting progressively <laughs> angrier and weirded out because that is this story. Uh, today we are doing part two of our story on Tensegrity and its leader, Carlos Castaneda. I can't wait. So before we get started, uh, our sources, again, are a BBC documentary on Carlos Castaneda, uh, a New York Times article on Carlos by Pete Applebaum. Uh, We also have Carlos Castaneda's series of books on shamanism. Uh, We have several articles from the official website of Jay Fikes. um, And then I also have a ton of of different IMDb articles, as well as uh, some background on some very famous uh, Hollywood legends. So let's uh, let's huh. kind of just hop into it, yeah? I didn't even know IMDb had articles. Hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They have okay. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, Todd, I'm going to be real with you. This is Fight Club Part 2. I I'm, knew I, it! I, I didn't... <laughs> I fucking knew it! Uh, so last week on our podcast... Carlos Castaneda wanted to destroy something beautiful. 
<laughs> you son of a bitch. And he started a project called Mayhem. <laughs> What's fucked up is he kind of did do both of those things, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Last week, we started our descent into the wild and confusing story of a man named Carlos Castaneda. But our episode left us with a lot of unanswered questions. Was Carlos a fraud? Who is Don Juan Matus? And what about the body in Death Valley from 2003? Somebody in Death Valley! Hell yeah. <laughs> well, all I can say right now is get ready. Because if you thought last week was crazy, you ain't heard nothing yet. Oof. I'm going to buckle up my oh shit belt. Let's do this. <laughs> do you think they made peyote out of soap or soap out of peyote? I mean, <laughs> they made peyote out of human fat. Yeah. Uh, when we left off, Dr. Carlos Castaneda was on the rise. His series of books on Yaqui shamanism and his time with Don Juan had made him a millionaire and one of the most unique and respected anthropologists of the early 1970s. A millionaire? I gotta go to the desert and take drugs. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, a millionaire almost overnight. New York Times bestseller, cover of Time magazine. The guy was a cultural fucking icon, dude. It was crazy. Wow. Take some aspirin and get wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, did you know they make aspirin vapes now? Like DMT vapes, but for aspirin? <laughs> I bet it would work. Yeah, they. I said it and no one started laughing because I think we all realize that we're a year away from that being a reality. <laughs> <laughs> Someone at Johnson & Johnson's like scribbling in a notepad like, that's fucking genius. <laughs> we're going to do that. I, I just pictured a guy like taking a big old hit and being like, oh, my back feels so much better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you mind if I do a bump of aspirin off your tits sorry <laughs> like this is a weird strip club what's happening <laughs> all of our joints feel fine <laughs> it's like a, it's like a strip club full of ladies that are over 40 so they like need aspirin or like they need like those sort of drugs to keep them on the pole i like i like this bit i like where this is going yeah. A sea of C-section scars. <laughs> oh, you mean like a regular strip club? Nice. Okay, cool, cool, yeah, cool, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm popping bottles of Alka-Seltzer, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that bubbly. <laughs> Give me a shot of Pepto-Bismol. I got the shits. No sex in the Alka-Seltzer room. <laughs> Our Alka-Seltzer has gold flakes in it. <laughs> <laughs> we're ridiculous people that's just because we need vitamins and minerals <laughs> they're minerals marie <laughs> so carlos's gonzo style of field research even inspired a few up-and-coming anthropologists like a man named jay fikes that dude fikes <laughs> this i'm dude so sorry fikes. <laughs> Carlos's first book blew up while Jay Fikes was studying at the University of Michigan. And fascinated with the rich history and culture of the Mexican natives, Jay decided to follow in the author's footsteps. He wasn't going to study shamanism, he was going to go out and learn it. And Jay Fikes is kind of a weird dude. In the BBC documentary, there are a ton of these pictures of him in Mexico, and he's... he's He's this big, goofy white guy that's just wearing a bunch of different sombreros and tie-dye t-shirts. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, what he really wanted to do was peyote and magic mushrooms. That is the, <laughs> that is the entire reason that he decided to follow in Carlos Castaneda's footsteps. Because he's like, 
when there were only one set of footsteps, that's when Peyote Dragon carried us. (laughs) (laughs) His trip started in the same place as Carlos's, but his time in Mexico actually turned into a really in-depth exploration of the Huichol and Native American people, as well as their beliefs on spirituality. He's actually a really great guy who is constantly trying to educate other white people on the like intricacies of Native American spirituality. It's a he's a good guy. He does a lot of like charity work and stuff too. Like I have a lot of respect for Jay Fikes. But not everyone was impressed with Carlos's work. As we covered a little bit last week, he also had caught the attention of writer and former Scientology contributor Richard DeMille. This is the guy I was super excited to learn more about. Crazy has entered the chat. (laughs) Yeah. If Jay Fikes is a weird dude, Richard was off the fucking wall. His story is absolutely insane. Richard was raised by the early Hollywood legend Cecil B. DeMille. Wait, what? Hold on. What? What? Yes. And also the B is for phenomenal. Just getting that out of the way right now. Richard DeMille was raised by the early Hollywood legend Cecil B. DeMille, but he was actually the secret love child of two different Hollywood legends, director William DeMille and screenwriter Lorna Moon, who is one of the earliest and most successful female screenwriters in Hollywood. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. (laughs) And heading into the 70s, Richard had already lived one hell of an eventful life. He joined the army when he was 21. He scored a writing job with KTLA at 24. He left to go help L. Ron Hubbard start up Scientology when he was 28. He committed two kidnappings at 29. (laughs) And then he went back to school and earned a PhD in psychology at the age of 45. I mean, that must have really pissed off the Scientologists. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fuck you guys. I'm going to be a doctor. (laughs) A real doctor. (laughs) And through his life, or actually probably because of it, he had learned a very important skill. How to tell when someone is selling you a load of bullshit. An alarm started going off in his head the second that he started reading Carlos's series of books on the teachings of Don Juan. The first thing that Richard didn't like was Don Juan himself. Not the idea of a Yaki shaman, but more so the man's character. In the first book, Don Juan was a stoic, mysterious shaman with a looming sense of wisdom hanging over him at all times. But in the second book, he was light and goofy. He was always cracking jokes and throwing parties for basically any reason. He's essentially just the normal frat dude, all right? That's what he became. And while it's not uncommon for people to change, it did seem like a big jump in personality to make over the course of just a few months. And at first, I didn't really give a lot of credit to this reasoning until I remembered that Richard DeMille was raised by screenwriting legends, (laughs) was an accomplished author, and has a doctorate in psychology. Right, 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 right. So if anyone knows character, it's Richard fucking DeMille. (laughs) His house is just full of story circles scrawled on the walls with just like red tape everywhere. But Carlos wasn't a fiction writer. He was an anthropologist, so Richard decided that maybe it was just some really bad exaggeration. So in order to clear things up, Richard reached out to Carlos and asked to see the field notes. But that's when more alarms started going off. 
According to Carlos, the field notes were stored in a basement somewhere in Westwood. And right before Richard had reached out, there was a mysterious flood that destroyed years of Carlos's work. And weirdly enough, Carlos didn't really seem that torn up about it. He didn't really <laughs> seem to care for some reason. Just like his wife and kid. He was like, yeah, they're there somewhere. I assume that they're <laughs> still around. took them. I, I, I left for four years to go do peyote in the desert, and I guess they're still alive? Whatever. I've been putting animals two by two into this wooden <laughs> boat for years, and now you're going to whine to me about things I should care about in this flood? <laughs> of course they got water damage. The boat's leaky. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard decided if he wanted answers, he was going to have to find them himself. So he started reading anything that he could get his hands on that covered Yaki beliefs and spirituality as a whole. And what he found shocked the hell out of him because it turns out Carlos didn't know shit. The area that Carlos visited wasn't the home of the Yaki people. And even if it had been, the Yaki people didn't use peyote in their rituals because it didn't grow in the areas that they were from. It wasn't part of their culture and it wouldn't have been used by their shaman. Ooh. <laughs> but the final nail in the coffin for Richard's suspicions was the whole egg thing. In one of Carlos's books, he quoted Don Juan as saying that a man's soul looks like an egg with bristles breaking out in all directions. And that wording really stuck with Richard because it felt familiar. And it turns out it was lifted from a book on spirituality published way back in 1903. The long-dead author described a human's aura as being egg-shaped with bristles standing out in all directions. And after double-checking everything that Don Juan said, Richard found over 200 instances of plagiarism from over 100 different authors. Oh my Damn. god! He literally just had to make shit up, and he couldn't even do that. <laughs> he had to but steal it. But here's the it. thing. Here's the thing. Either Don Juan Matus actually exists, and Homeboy has just been reading everyone else's books and then regurgitating it, or Carlos Castaneda made him up but carlos has been reading hundreds of different <laughs> books and then regurgitated. either way someone did a fuckload of homework yeah either way somebody earned a personal pan pizza from pizza hut <laughs> absolutely <laughs> he's a part of the scholastic reading club nice yeah yeah, yeah i love it that's amazing mm -hmm. richard was convinced that carlos castaneda was a fraud and he was telling anyone that would listen but the problem is nobody gave a shit Carlos had a million explanations to combat all of these accusations, and surprisingly, all of these explanations actually checked out. He had, in fact, gone to Mexico for about four years. There were a ton of postcards and records to back that up. Additionally, the Yaqui people had originated from another part of Mexico, but that was before they were exiled and forced to find new homes across the country. And from day one... From the time that the book was released, Don Juan had always claimed to be a member of this traveling tribe. This also explained the shaman's love for peyote. It wasn't historically part of the Yaqui rituals, but it became part of Don Juan's when he learned about it on his travels. All of his rituals were an amalgam of the practices of many tribes that he had studied under. But luckily for Richard, he had one more trick up his sleeve. The findings of Weechel expert and goofy white guy, Jay Fikes. <laughs> nice. 
Jay had read Richard's accusations and he was surprised to see that they kind of made sense. They were very valid criticisms of Carlos's story. So ever the field researcher, Jay decided to head down to Mexico to get to the bottom of things himself. Unfortunately, all he really found was evidence that Carlos had indeed gone to Mexico. Several tribes even had photographs where they posed with the Peruvian anthropologist. But then Jay Fikes got his big break. One of these pictures featured somebody that he knew, a man named Ramon Medina Silva. Ramon was a shaman from a different tribe in the same area that Carlos was studying. And although he had passed away, his wife was still very much alive and willing to talk to anyone about basically anything because she was super fucking lonely. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that, adorable. Yeah, that would make me sad. Where he, there's a there's a part of the documentary where he's like, yeah, I found her and we were talking and like, you know, at first we had to talk like about it, like a bunch of stuff. And then she was just telling me like, you know, about how she's been and like how things are going. I was like, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done. Jay Fikes, you're a good person. <laughs> well, my kids don't call as much as I'd like. Like, <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it. Have you heard of Castaneda? Sorry. <laughs> I've been keeping these Cool Whip containers after the Cool Whip is out to store them, but I think the nurse is throwing them away. <laughs> I do like that they went to Mexico in search for, like, evidence that someone had a four-year drug trip there, and I, like... That evidence must have been insane. Yeah, yeah. And after a very long conversation, everything became clear. Carlos hadn't been studying under Don Juan of the Yaqui people. He had been a pupil of Ramon Medina Silva. Mm. Jay figured that Carlos had just changed the details to protect his informant, which is something that... Uh, just like, I guess, police officers do, so do anthropologists. This is like a common practice so that people don't go try to find whoever you write mm. about. Sure, yeah. I also think that an informant should always be called Don Juan by their, <laughs> <Yeah. by> their <laughs> handler. <laughs> I love that. It is a pretty kick-ass name. It like is. Every time I've said it, it's like Don Juan. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like John mm -hmm. Doe, but for informants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this. But just as he was getting ready to close the case, Ramon's widow dropped a fucking bombshell. Carlos Castaneda wasn't much of a pupil. Becoming a shaman in her tribe meant going on five annual pilgrimages a year that required long fasts, periods without bathing, and sustained abstinence. But Carlos never went because he couldn't go without any of those things. In fact, the only thing he had actually studied in Mexico were the women. Oh, I love it. So he has been shit. setting up franchises around countries. Like he's got a family <laughs> in the U.S. and now he's going to have one in Mexico. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. It was the 70s, right? Like that checks out. <laughs> yeah, it really was a good time for dudes who wanted to have two families. That You could just go... <laughs> anywhere and have a secret family now that i said that out loud i don't know why you would ever want to have two families that sounds like so much work it's not if you're leaving all the time yeah i was gonna say <laughs> you're abandoning them yeah, that's a fair the point. only work you're doing is going out for cigarettes yeah it would be a lot of work for you a good person who would not abandon their family but for someone like this they're just you know setting up the franchise and then walking away <laughs> I right. love that yeah. you keep calling it a franchise like it's a McDonald's. Like, 
This family has a play place. <laughs> Carlos Castaneda's dick now in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Over 60 million served. Wolf. Oh, Together, Richard DeMille and Jay Fikes were able to drop some of the most surprising news in the history of field research. For four years, Carlos Castaneda had been running around Mexico eating, drinking, and cheating on his wife. That is, when he wasn't crafting the greatest lie in the study of anthropology. So that's what he was doing. Paige, you were basically right. He would just go out and have a bunch of sex and drink a bunch of stuff. I don't know if he was actually doing peyote or mushrooms. I haven't been able to find anything that was like proof that he was doing that. Um, but he was going to libraries and just reading all of these books and writing down anything that sounded cool to him and then attributing it to this character, Don Juan Matus. I mean... When you started that sentence that he was eating, drinking, and and I thought you were going to basically just say, like, eating, drinking, breathing pussy. I was going to be like, yeah, that is what it sounds when like. When that sentence started, I didn't think it would end at a library. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Except that I did because of how many people watch porn in libraries. Oh, my oh God. that's. That's a sad fact, Paige. You hit me with those and they break my heart. Yeah. it's It always surprises me. This episode has always surprised me, like, how weird humanity can be if you just stop caring about being a good person. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's holding us back, guys. Yeah. I could be watching porn in a library right now. Instead, I'm here doing this shit. Is your internet connection that bad? <laughs> That's a joke for only you. I apologize. (laughs) Yeah, normally it is. But right now it's, you know, this Airbnb in San Diego where I'm eating, drinking, cheating on my wife and making up a bunch of uh, lies about a shaman. Did I tell you guys about um, Don Todd, my new teacher? (laughs) That dude fucks. (laughs) He made us make a bunch of soap and then he didn't like women and we punched each other. It was real weird. Well, now I feel bad naming him Todd. And now I'll change it. It's Don Mikey Matus. There we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense when you're talking about, like, you know, setting up franchises and leaving. That makes more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Whore Virgin listeners. Mikey, your loving host, has several secret families. <laughs> Mikey is single because he leaves. Ladies. I'll say this, though. The second he gets a girl pregnant, he's in it for life. Like, he wants kids so bad. Aww. It's the cutest thing ever. Yeah, I love Mikey. He actually is a really good dude. Yeah. But he has uh, commitment issues. <laughs> sure I mean, is. he wants those kids so he can eventually battle them Thunderdome style, oh, yeah. which yeah. we know. Yeah. But, you know. Naturally, yeah. yeah. I know Mikey, and he can't even commit to a library to watch porn in. He is a <laughs> tortured man. Oh, yeah. He's always got multiple tabs open watching different videos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's just everybody. Yeah, he's watching a different kind of BBC documentary. <laughs> Everyone's got a type, man. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's just multiple tabs of, like, how many videos can I watch of people chopping wood? <laughs> Like a lot. I just assumed it was like a bunch of different like Chris Angel street magic videos for you, Paige. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot how much Paige loves magicians. I oh don't. my I god, don't. look how high he levitates. <laughs> <laughs> Cut me in half. Uh, <laughs> That's like a ten inch levitate. Oh. oh. <laughs> also, to all worst. you like 
to all you not great magicians out there, I just want to say that it's not the size of the levitation. It's the way that you move off the ground. You're yeah. Good. I don't know why you guys are focusing on levitation and not wand length and girth. <laughs> oh, because that actually does matter. You need a girthy oh, yeah. ass wand. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, you got to get yourself to Ollivander's. <laughs> That's right. I'm that kind of comedian. <laughs> I go oh, deep on Harry Potter lore. Uh, yeah, you're the. Uh, that's the other kind of deep on a magician that Paige wants to go. Boom. Okay. Oh God. He's a I child, don't. Paige. Yeah, a child. I, I don't. I don't like any magicians, let alone child magicians. Paige, stop asking us if you can fuck Harry Potter. It's not okay, not. ma'am. This is a library. Okay. Oh, God. I hate you both. I hate you both. <laughs> and despite despite all of the evidence proving his fraudulent claims, Carlos denied every single accusation that Richard made against him. According to the anthropologist, Don Juan was a real practicing Yaqui shaman who took him under his wing and turned him into a Nagual. And if you remember from last week, a Nagual is uh, the assistant to the regional shaman. That yeah. is, that's the joke that we made. He was but, the Dwight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but in terms of, of being a Nagual, it, it, I will say that it is very important that you are like the second most important person in the tribe as far as spiritualism goes. You know, you're, you're helping that person conduct all of these rituals. Carlos's experiences had been the subject of over three best-selling books that took him from a UCLA slacker to a spiritual expert. I mean, this transcended just anthropology. People weren't reading these books to learn about the native Mexican shamans. They were reading them because they were basically pure fiction labeled as a self-help book. The goal was to help you change your life. Through peyote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's no wonder the guy who helped with Scientology saw this so quickly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He was like, this is so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Needs more sex magic. <laughs> I swear to God, I've heard this before, but I just can't put my yacht on it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sea orgies. <laughs> According to Carlos, Don Juan was a truly enlightened man. He used ancient rituals to unlock the ability to see into realities parallel to our own. And the underlying message of his book was that if you applied the Yaki way of knowledge to your own life, you too could become enlightened and gain powers that go beyond what normal people are capable of. But if Don Juan didn't exist, then all of Carlos's success would be null and void. And luckily for him, he was the king of excuses. Obviously, the easiest way to prove that Don Juan existed would be to find him and have him address the public, right? That makes the most sense. You just get Don Juan and you tell him to like, hey, here's a camera. Let's talk in front of it. Tell everyone you're real. And I know just from experience that if you want to find Don Juan, you just go to my mom's house. <laughs> How you doing, Mondo? But also just hire an actor, like, like oh, pay some too. struggling yeah. actor yeah. to be Don Juan, and there you go. Yeah, I'm right here, ready to fill in to be Don Juan Matus or to fuck uh, Todd's mom. Either one. <laughs> it was so great. We got I got so many Twitter messages from people who were like, "Are you really gonna fuck Todd's mom?" <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What? They were like, hey man, are you really gonna fuck Todd? Are you really gonna become Todd's new daddy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm never gonna. Are call you gonna you play Poppy. catch with him after school? 
I love I loved that bit though because it only got weirder and weirder for you. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. I love getting weird with it, man. It's it's the greatest. Every I pointed it out to everyone. It was like, yeah, I never back down. I'm still gonna do it. I got yeah. weirded out for a second, but then I was like, this is a blessing. Now I feel better about it. <laughs> Obviously, the easiest way to prove that Don Juan existed was to present him to the people. But Carlos had a perfect explanation for why that wasn't an option. There was a flood and it, he got damaged <laughs> and we can't we can't show anybody to because he's water damaged. I was keeping Don Juan in a basement in Westwood and there was a flood. I'm betting that he's going to say that Don Juan is an ascended cosmic master. How close am You're I? You're very close. Um, also, do you guys think that that flood in Westwood was from all the pussies that, uh, Carlos Castaneda was getting <laughs> wet and wild <laughs> God, there's uh, nothing sexier than an anthropologist. Mm. I think what you mean is Nagual. <laughs> Nagual. Carlos had a perfect explanation for why uh, showing Don Juan wasn't an option. You see... Don Juan Matus was no longer with us. And I don't mean that he died. I mean, he literally was no longer here. According to Carlos, Don Juan had finally completed his purpose in this reality and had decided to transcend into the next realm known as infinity. He didn't pass away like a normal mortal. Obviously, he turned himself into a column of pure light and transcended into the heavens above. Right. Duh. Yeah. You know, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the easiest way to leave a party. <laughs> Just <laughs> turn yourself into a pillar of light and, and move. I am the master of the Irish infinity. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I know that we're like having fun and everything, but this is kind of a rough subject for me because when I was a kid, my dad went out to transcend into a new reality. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it really fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> Mondo, I'm sure he's going to bring back those Infinity cigarettes and he'll be your dad again. It's fine. It's fine. Or at least the Infinity Stones into some sort of glove that he can play catch with you with. <laughs> he just comes back as Vision with the Infinity Stone in his head. Like, yeah, I found it, Mondo. Oh, my dad? God. <laughs> With the Master of Enlightenment gone, it was up to his Nagual to carry on his duties in this reality. Just as Don Juan taught Carlos the principles of the Yaki Way, Carlos was meant to teach all of humanity how to reach enlightenment. And so Carlos left his career as an anthropologist behind and dedicated himself fully to his new earthly duty. In the early 1990s, he founded the company clear green incorporated and began teaching classes to the public and from the very beginning his classes were wildly popular his in-person groups based in los angeles attracted a crowd of over 800 people at a time that's nuts yeah it's fucking crazy he's almost selling out just like full-ass theaters and shit yeah damn he told his students that there was more to this world than they could see but taking his class would allow them to peek into the other realities surrounding us. And the central focus of these classes was a practice known as tensegrity. Now, this is possibly 
the dumbest part of this entire story. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The column of light leaving a party early was not the dumbest part? Yeah, that's what I fucking thought too. But it turns out <laughs> tensegrity was a practice that is best described as a form of martial arts that combines exercise and religion. Hell yeah, it's like Jim Cotta, but religious. I'm getting out of my brain, Todd. I was like, did this guy invent Jim Cotta? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> All right, I, I'm willing to bite. I don't know what Jim Cotta is. Oh, oh my God, Mondo. Oh my God. It is gymnastics and karate. And the, it's from a, like a cult classic movie that I believe is also called Jim Cotta. It is called right? Jim Cotta. Yeah. yeah. It's a martial arts Yeah, the arts name of the film. movie yeah. is the name of the martial arts. Oh and it's, uh, but it's also like medieval. Well, okay. So they okay, they go to a made up country that is very medieval. Gotcha. Because yes. an Olympic gymnast who actually is played by a terrible actor who was who actually was an Olympic gymnast. Yes, goes yes, to yes, this yes, like yes. town and like has to Jim Cotta all over them. It is... He, he has to like battle a bunch of stuff to win the like hand of the princess, yes, right? It's something like yes. that. It was the eighties, so yeah, everything is sort of like Mario Brothers. Yeah. Oh my god! The answer is just cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, a decade before it would have been peyote, so that's fine with me. Yeah. After watching several videos of people practicing tensegrity, by the way, I can safely tell you that he just completely ripped off Tai Chi. It is 1,000% just Tai Chi with Mexican-sounding names to all of the poses and practices. I cut the peyote. I give half to you, half to you, and a leaf for me. Yeah, that's literally all it was, was just like a theater full of people but instead of sitting down, they're all standing up, uh, you know, arms distance apart. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. And you might be asking yourself, how the fuck do you go from doing peyote in the desert to teaching Tai Chi? Well, Carlos needed a legal and drug-free way to teach his students how to reach enlightenment because he had almost single-handedly fucked over peyote. <laughs> did he did he cause like a run on peyote that skyrocketed the price? <laughs> yeah. He probably is the reason it's illegal. Is that what you're going to get to? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Damn. After the release of his first book, interest in the trippy little cactus skyrocketed. People were flocking to Mexico to get their hands on natural psychedelics like peyote. But all of this interest attracted the attention of the United States government, the very government that has historically been very opposed to a good ass time. Yeah. I was going to say, we are the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If if Todd's the guy that uh, Irish Infinity is out of a party, <laughs> the United States government is the guy that's like, okay, everybody, before you leave, I need you to pick up five pieces of trash. I am locking the door until you do it. You have to show me. Please, come on. You all owe me three fifty for pizza. I saw you all take slices. I need the cash. Just make sure you don't wreck my mom and dad's house, okay? <laughs> when we covered Timothy Leary, we saw a very similar situation happen with psilocybin. As soon as the public became interested in the drug, the United States government used its massive influence to convince almost every country to outlaw magic mushrooms. And ditto for LSD, which we covered in our Speculation Zone episode on Albert Hoffman. 
After hippies started returning from Mexico with trunk loads of the funky cactus, <laughs> the United States convinced its neighbor to the south to outlaw peyote as a harmful drug. And just as a side note, this was a bigger problem than stopping people from having a good time. While the Yaqui may not have traditionally used peyote in their rituals, there were several tribes that actually did. And the laws against peyote made no distinction between the average American hippie and a trained indigenous shaman. And suddenly you have a ton of real practicing professionals being arrested for performing a ritual that had been passed down for generations. So they made it illegal in Mexico to even use it for religious purposes? Yep. That is a dick move. That is rough. Yeah, yeah, you have all of these people getting arrested, thrown into jail, uh, both American and otherwise, but a, a ton of these people are the people that were using it for the purpose that it was intended. I mean, maybe not the purpose it was intended. I'm pretty sure that evolution made peyote do that so that you wouldn't eat it, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, if it didn't want you to eat it, it'd kill you. Come on. Oh, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. So in order to avoid being associated with the mayhem that he helped to create... Carlos switched up the script and told his students that you didn't need drugs to learn what he had learned, you know, despite the fact that it was the entire crux of his first book. Like, his whole point <laughs> was that you need to take peyote to do what he did. And he taught these classes for years, raking in thousands of dollars every single month. One of my favorite parts of this show is when the uh, scam starts, because every cult starts off and then it becomes a scam or it like always is one. And it's like, that's like where we are right now. He's yeah. like, yeah, oh shit, I can't do drugs anymore, but I still need to get money from these idiots. So not idiots, you know, people who are falling victim to his scam. But like, you know, he's like changing it up so he can still do it legally and not get arrested. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. I like the scam. Yeah. The scam, they, it always comes. And here's the thing. I wish that I could tell you that this is where our story comes to an end. I wish I could tell you that Carlos just went from a respected academic to a guy who taught Tai Chi to a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. But in true Castaneda fashion, the real story is so much weirder and darker than you could have ever guessed. Because <laughs> even if his followers bought into all of his lies and excuses, there was one man who never did. Carlos Castaneda. <laughs> the decades of fabricated stories had turned the once charismatic and personable man into a deeply paranoid mess. He was starting to lose his fucking mind. Yeah. He withdrew from the public eye completely, refusing to be photographed or interviewed by anyone. He pulled a Richard Simmons. I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's had enough. Made enough money. Going to back out. Yeah. Except Richard Simmons is not a horrible guy. Do you know that for sure? I mean. Yeah. He seems like a good guy. That's fair. I just, I have a new habit where I don't co-sign any celebrity unless I personally know them. And even then, I'm not doing it. I, That's uh, probably a fair, yeah. that's yeah. probably a fair thing I to do. I used to trust Mikey uh, from Horror Virgin. Ooh. And then I found oh. out that he was, he has families all over the country. <laughs> Franchises, my yeah. friend. Franchises. Mikey, you could have been here to defend yourself, but you turned us down, baby. <laughs> <laughs> The best thing is he'll never know <laughs> that we're making fun of him. I can't even get Mikey to listen to the two podcasts he's on. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> to be fair, I only listen to our show because I edit it. And that's not because Same. it's a bad show. It's just because it's like I spent a week researching that. I want nothing to do with it anymore. Well, I yeah, do the same yeah. with your show. So like I'll edit our podcasts. 
And then when they launch, like on Monday, when Horror Virgin drops, I don't want to listen to it because no. I just spent, you know, hours editing it. So I listen to Cult Podcast. Yeah, I listen to fucking <laughs> Romancing the Pod because I'm like, just take my mind away, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh. get it. It's a great show. Thank you for the plug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Romancing the Pod. Go listen to it. So Carlos completely withdrew from public life. In fact, the only way you could catch a glimpse of him was if you were one of the students in his class. But as time moved on, less and less people even wanted to attend his bizarre seminars. And it probably had something to do with the crazy new lesson plan. In 1996, Carlos began telling his students that he was close to fulfilling his role as Don Juan's replacement. Over the years, he had amassed a small but fiercely dedicated following of about 250 people. And once they mastered Tensegrity, his time in this reality would end. But like Don Juan, he wouldn't die a mortal death. Because he was truly enlightened, he would be able to turn himself into a column of pure light and transcend into infinity, the next reality that his former teacher had entered just a few years back. But unlike the fictional Yaki Shaman, Carlos wouldn't leave his students behind. Remember that the entire appeal of his book was that there was a better reality that could be accessed through enlightenment. People didn't just want to see these other realities, they wanted to leave this one behind for a new reality without fear, war, and hardships. Carlos started telling his class that soon they would be able to join him in infinity. When he decided to leave this earthly plane of existence, his students would come with him forever. And not in death, but in an almost rapture-like event where they would just disappear forever. And this is when he started instructing his students to do more than just a cheap knockoff of Tai Chi. He urged them to withdraw from their own lives completely. He wanted them to leave their friends and family behind. He wanted them to change their names. He wanted them to give up all earthly pleasures to prepare themselves for true enlightenment. And he also wanted total control over their lives. He told his class that they needed to remain abstinent, that they shouldn't spend money on frivolous things, but instead they should surrender their earthly dollars to him and that they needed to stay clean by avoiding any drug, prescription, or otherwise. Yikes. And to a lot of people, this sounded fucking crazy. Yeah, it's pretty much, hey, give me all your money, but in exchange for all your money, I don't want you to have sex or drink or do drugs. Hell yeah, dude. Who's gonna do that? That sounds lit. Let's do it. You guys wanna do it? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't even I don't even do two of those vices, but with that that one that I do do, I'm out. Yeah. I'm not gonna give you money to not have sex. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no. That's mm -mm. the opposite of what I normally do. You have sex and spend money and do drugs? <laughs> oh my god. Um Carlos's new lesson plan, like I said, it started to freak people out. And two of his followers Greg and Gabby were starting to get really, really concerned. Greg and Gabby, by the way, are probably my favorite part of this entire story because they are just a couple who were part of Carlos Castaneda's classes. And then they were like, yeah, once they started telling us that we had to like withdraw from our personal lives, I knew things were weird because it was like, I have friends and I don't want to not see my <laughs> friends. You know, she's just like, it's, it sounded like she was like, I have a book club to go to. You know, I can't, they're counting on me. Mm. 
It's just very, very funny. I picked Little Women. I can't skip this week. (laughs) Greg and Gabby realized that there was something weird about Carlos Castaneda, and they started trying to dig into him, but then they realized that there wasn't anything to dig into. Like I said, he had completely withdrawn. He wasn't giving interviews. You couldn't photograph him, and the records on him were very scarce. So what they did was they turned into detectives. They started tailing Carlos and tracking his every move. And they were very, very, very not good at it. (laughs) Well, they're just two people, like two regular Joes from his class, right? Yeah, they're just two suburban white people from Los Angeles who were like, we're going to tail him. And they they tell the story (laughs) and they're like, we got into our car and we started trailing him the first night. And and we did lose him after the first stoplight. We did... (laughs) Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah, that's exactly what they were doing. They were very bad at trailing him, but they kept practicing it for months. And over those months, they got really, really good at it. No one had ever filmed Carlos before, but Greg and Gabby finally succeeded. As they trailed him, they were able to get hours of footage of just him going to stores, of him uh, going out to eat, of him going to see his family. But then they discovered something that no one else knew about him. See, he had a second home. And it turns out that there were a couple other people that knew about this second home, too. Five of Carlos's most devoted followers were a group of women that the class had nicknamed the witches. And the witches are the five most dedicated followers of Tensegrity. They were the people who were in the front row of all of his classes, just nailing the fuck out of the Tai Chi poses and stuff. <laughs> Look at how I split this cactus. <laughs> <laughs> And they all had a very, very distinctive look. They dressed in all white. They had very close cropped hair, almost like a buzz cut. And they kept themselves very, very thin. Because apparently Carlos Castaneda had a type. He liked women who looked like, quote, little boys, end quote. Oh, no. I hate everything about that sentence. I feel much better about my own type. (laughs) (laughs) Big manly lumberjacks. Yeah, like lumberjack you know magician yeah Yeah. it's better than just just regular lumberjacks i don't i don't need the magician part you want me to make this log disappear page (laughs) (laughs) yes but that has nothing to do with magic and everything to do with consent page they don't call it sex magic for nothing Ooh, i'm about to come on this axe baby (laughs) (laughs) that is definitely left hand path we don't have time to get into it. <laughs> to be clear, by the way, I mean this X body spray. I'm going to come on this can of yeah. X body spray. Yeah, yeah. That's more frat boy. But yeah. I mean, she's probably still into it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how you summon Chris Angel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, does this smell like Falcon and Bleach? Oh, yeah. Chris Angel's <laughs> on his way. I just assumed Falcon was one of their smells, fragrances. fragrances. <laughs> it does fucking sound like it. <laughs> I... I don't know. I mean, me either. But doesn't it sound like Falcon could be one? Like, I always feel like it should be Cool Ranch, but that's too real. <laughs> I, I was like Arctic Wind. <laughs> I feel like Axe Body Spray and Five Gum use the same names for their flavors and scents, right? Like they. <laughs> They definitely have that same vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheddar and sour cream. Got it. <laughs> oh, God. Cheddar and sour cream gum? 
actually cheddar and sour cream gum i think you're on to something i think <laughs> right because you just want to taste it forever and just like chew it until the flavor goes out but then you don't eat the chips so you lose weight. i was gonna say it probably helped me lose weight because i'm like you know what sounds really good cool ranch <laughs> chips but if it was cool ranch junk gum and i could just chew it problem solved it, you, you know it'd be gross yeah though. it'd be absolutely <laughs> it'd be fucking disgusting. it would be terrible yeah <laughs> Food that tastes like other foods is, is very rarely good. We Somebody sent us uh, Baconator flavored Pringles and they were just magic. Like it tasted exactly like a Baconator yeah. and it made my brain uncomfortable because I was <laughs> I was eating a chip and my brain was like, this ain't chip flavor. This a burger flavor. This is dark magic. You're not supposed to have access to this. We're going to hell. <laughs> Tell Blaine I said hi. <laughs> I don't know, by the way, if Carlos Castaneda, uh, I'm not trying to accuse anyone of being like a pedophile. I'm not I'm not doing any of that. All I'm saying is that if you watch this BBC documentary, you will hear five different people who have no real actual close connection to each other describe Carlos Castaneda's type as women who look like little boys or women who look like thin, ugly men. I feel personally attacked by that last one. <laughs> Just a sea of Paul Bettany's. <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of vision i have no idea if there was a connection or if people were just trying to insult the witches because honestly all of the class hated the witches uh so everyone kind of had motivation to shit talk them so it could have just been them being petty the whole class is just like she turned me into a newt <laughs> <laughs> Boom! So Greg and Gabby, who were staked outside of Carlos's second secret house, realized that the witches would come and go at all hours of the day, even when Carlos Castaneda wasn't there, and it became very clear that they were living at the house with Carlos. And in order to get more information, Greg and Gabby started going through Carlos's trash, which is the next step into becoming a great detective. I love that. Or a raccoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is, I know I keep saying that I have a favorite part of the documentary, but it's because it's very, very funny. If you look at like, it's not a funny story, but if you watch it through the lens of just like, what the fuck are you talking about? It is the most hilarious story because Greg and Gabby are like, yeah. Then we started going through his trash because we thought that we could learn more about him. And then it cuts to them standing in front of a pile of shit. And it's like, <laughs> this is, they're like, this is the actual trash that we took from Carlos's trash can. They still have it? They still fucking have it. And they're proud of it. That's why you keep stuff in a dry storage area. Yeah. So it doesn't get flooded. You can have it years later. No, yeah. no, no. Counterpoint. You keep it in a basement in Westwood that gets flooded because that way no one can ever see the shit you do. <laughs> <laughs> So when Greg and Gabby went through Carlos's trash, they found that Carlos wasn't doing what he said others should do. First of all, he wasn't living frugally. They found receipts that proved that he was spending thousands of dollars on gifts for the witches like designer clothing. Those all-white outfits they wore came from the money that his other students paid him. At this point, they realized that something fishy was going on, so what they did was they hired a private investigator. And this private investigator was able to do some digging, but like, you know, early 1990s digging, so it took forever because you couldn't just use a fucking computer or anything. Because Google wasn't a thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they should have hired him before they dug through the trash, just to save themselves the trouble of digging through the trash. If you're going to hire someone, hire them to do that, yeah. I feel like it was probably like a really tough call to hire him, 
especially because like they, they were like you know we've gotten so good at tailing and he's like you guys are fucking terrible <laughs> <laughs> i clocked you from a mile yeah, away you guys are absolutely terrible but they they, they used uh this private investigator to dig up some records and the private investigator found out that carlos castaneda was married to two of the witches and had done so in the span of a week. So how? So currently married to more than one person. Currently married saying. at this point to three different women, his wife how? and then two of these witches. Just in different, I guess, zones or like like regions? Like how do you do that? Not Like I'd imagine your county clerk would be like, no, you're already married. I have absolutely no fucking idea how he did it. I just know that he was able to do it and that everyone was really surprised. So I'm just assuming that back then their their record keeping skills were really, really fucking bad. That's very possible. It was yeah. not digital. Yeah. So that makes sense. But I feel really bad for the true victims here. The other three witches who couldn't get him to marry. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't lock it down. I know. <laughs> Like I, he just won't commit to me. <laughs> I, I shaved my head. I got really lean, you know. Always do it from the back. I tried to lean into the little boy thing. I got it. I got really into Hot Wheels. I started using Axe body <laughs> spray. Oh no! <laughs> you can't get me out of that sandbox. <laughs> Even Cool Ranch scent. Oh, <laughs> I started chewing cheddar and sour cream five gum. Oh. It makes me feel amazing. Oh. Yeah, and and later, by the way, other members that weren't the witches would come forward with even weirder stories. One woman claimed that Carlos had come up with the perfect way to solve her emotional issues with her childhood. Clearly. He had to have sex with her in her childhood bedroom. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. I thought it was going to be like regular sex, but no, it, it, it got really creepy. No, no. He told this like 36-year-old woman, like, we have to go to your parents' house. We have to go to your childhood bedroom, and we have to have sex in your childhood bed. And that is what's going to cause your emotional issues. Or that is what... I meant to say that's what's going to solve them, but I did say cause yeah. them, and I that you know what that was accurate, accurate, accurate. <laughs> that's how I know he's done this a bunch because he's now bored with just getting people from his organization to sleep with them. He has to do it in like riskier locations. Like, no, yeah. I don't want to just have sex with you. I want to break into your parents' house and do it. Like that's no, why I want to come home for Thanksgiving and wait until Aunt Louise is asleep next door, and then we're going to get down in that twin bed, bitch. Hell yeah. There's nothing sexier than fucking in a race car bed. (laughs) (laughs) But out of all of his followers and all of the witches, the most important was a woman named Patty Parton, who he had nicknamed the Blue Scout. She was the most important being on Earth besides Carlos, because she was his Nagual. She was the one Ah. who would bring the rest of the followers into infinity. But really, she was a 19-year-old waitress from Southern California who just had the misfortune of serving Carlos at a random restaurant sometime. And looking like, from the back, a boy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Garcon? Oh, wait, I am so sorry. (laughs) Although I'm not. Hang on, what are you doing later? (laughs) How do you feel about a boy? Here's a tip. It's in my pants. She's just just like, Garcon means boy. And he's like, (laughs) I know. Mm. (laughs) lean into it (laughs) 
she had served Carlos Castaneda. He had hit on her. He was very charismatic and very funny. So, you know, he, he pretty instantly made a connection. And it wasn't long before she was completely brainwashed. And because she was so important and integral to the plan, Carlos claimed that he needed to take care of her. But because he already had three wives, he had to take a different route. That is when he decided to become her legal guardian. No! no! And adopted her as his daughter. No! That's gross. No, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. No. That's a real Woody oh. Allen type move. In case you wanted to feel worse about it, he did this. He was having sex with her before and after she legally became his daughter. Mm. And also, by the way, she was like 19 years old. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he needed to do this. I don't fully know why he did this other than to make it fucking weird. I, I, I feel like this is like the plot of a adult documentary you might watch at like a library. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Then then he would have to like have her be a step yeah, right. daughter. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, then he could have just had one of his many wives adopt her. Can, and then <laughs> then it would have been fine, according to Pornhub. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> the next thing that Greg and Gabby discovered in his trash can were a ton of insulin syringes and medications. Because it turns out that Carlos wasn't as immortal as he claimed to be. He was diabetic. He had hepatitis. And apparently, according to a note by a doctor... He had anal dysfunction. I don't know what that means other than his ass didn't work right. I, I swear to God, I've done so, I've tried so hard to figure out what the fuck that meant. But all they had, and again, remember that they had an entire like treasure trove of the stuff that they took from his stuff. So in the documentary, they hold up a note and it just says renal anal dysfunction question mark <laughs> wait ren renal anal dysfunction so like kidney failure that was aff affecting his I, anus i guess i have absolutely no idea i don't know anal dysfunction is a great punk band name <laughs> um i've honestly there's a taco truck here in town that i will not name drop because i ate there once and i had some temporary anal dysfunction <laughs> for sure <laughs> i'm i'm just picturing all the farts come out like screams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, those refried beans. Ah! <laughs> 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 oh, excuse me. That was a big one. <laughs> Carlos also had medications for a ton of pain medicine. He wasn't immortal. He was just a very, very, very horny old man. I get it. And he was dying fast. However, his family was denied access to him. That's one of the other things that Greg and Gabby were able to see is that the witches were stopping his actual wife and kid from being able to see Carlos Castaneda. Carlos Castaneda's wife, Margarita, fought to see her husband all of the time. And according to her in the documentary, they finally agreed to let Carlos see her. And at that point, he was so weak and frail that he couldn't do anything but just stare at her for a few minutes. And afterwards, he walked back inside and blew her kisses while walking backwards. That was such a weird way that she like specified it that he just started walking backwards back into the house and was like, nah, nah, I love you. Nah, Vangie, nah. 
Miss Baby. Baby. Hell yeah. I pictured that, but also like moonwalking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. he was like, I'm too weak to do anything but stare at you. Okay, bye. Boom, doom, 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 and just fucking moonwalking. And then he like does a spin, goes, turns into light, and it just ascends. Fucking ascends. I like the the ending with the ascension because like what a reveal. Oh yeah. I'm just picturing it as like Vanjie in front of a house, just like Vanjie. Miss Vanjie <laughs> just backwards catwalking and then just pillar of light. I totally. I honestly, I think that is the exact energy that he brought to that. <laughs> but unfortunately, this was the last time that she would ever see Carlos. A week later, while Greg and Gabby were on a stakeout outside of his house, they realized that no one was home. And then again the next day. And then the next day. And for five days straight, no one came or left the house. And eventually the reason broke in the newspapers. Carlos Castaneda was dead. His death certificate revealed that he had died of liver cancer, a very human disease. And most of his loyal followers were devastated because he claimed that he couldn't die of a mortal illness. He claimed that he would turn into a pillar of light and shoot up into the heavens but clearly that wasn't going to happen and it meant that they had wasted their lives but no one was more upset than the witches and these five women days after carlos castaneda passed away disappeared completely four of the witches were never seen again it is believed that they committed suicide in a place where they could never be found these four women, by the way, left together. They left Los Angeles in a group and no one ever saw them again. But Patty Parton, the Blue Scout, Carlos Castaneda's Nagual, she left alone. She was devastated. Carlos was supposed to take her to the next reality. She had to come to terms with the fact that she was a pawn in a liar's game of very, very sexual chess. And it broke her. They call that four double d chat <laughs> no because they have to look like little boys oh, oh yeah so so this is this is some four double a <laughs> but unlike the four witches that left los angeles patty parton had a sense of hope and according to another member it was because she had a piece of information that she was keeping secret Carlos told her that if she wanted to join him in Infinity, but he wasn't there to guide her, she should drive her car into the middle of the desert until she was taken up by a beam of light. And so that's what she did. Oh no. She drove to Death Valley until her car ran out of gas. And then she exited her car and wandered through the desert until she died of dehydration or a possible animal attack. And her body was left undiscovered for years. This happened in 1998, and it wasn't until 2003 when two hikers found her human remains that she was able to finally be put to rest. Yikes. Yeah. Carlos Castaneda had invented the biggest lie in the history of anthropology. He had changed our culture forever, and he had done it all for his own personal gain. It ruined the culture of the Yaqui people. It ruined hundreds of people's lives, and it killed five women. His entire goal 
was to leave this reality for a reality that he found better. Ever since the beginning, Carlos had left realities that were inconvenient for him to live in ones that were better. Remember that our story started with a young Carlos Castaneda lying about his age and origin story. Nothing about him was real except for the long-lasting effects he caused for other people. And that is the end of our series on Carlos Castaneda and Tensegrity. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Bit of took a, a real quick bit of a bummer. It took a real quick dark turn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This story is absolutely fucking wild. I I I could not get over it where as I was reading it, and I talked about this last week, as I was reading it, I assumed that everything was real. I assumed that all of this stuff he was learning was 100% real. And then I started to just like, you know, you you just kind of start digging deeper and deeper and deeper and you're like, how the fu- how fucking deep does this hole go? How bad is this human being? Just fucking, I don't know, man. It was such a crazy story. Thank you so much for letting me tell this, by the way. I know that it got dark towards the end, but god damn, is it a wild ride. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is wild. Absolutely. It's super, super depressing, but you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, 100%. I'm glad that we were able to have some fun up top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Our uh, this episode um, is brought to you by uh, Cole Podcast Sad Time. Hey, were you having a good time laughing about uh, Irish infinities and page fucking magicians? <laughs> well, why don't we just go ahead and ruin that for you by making you feel bad for an entire day? <laughs> <laughs> No, no. In reality, our episode is brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast to check out all of the awesome tiers and rewards that we have there. Uh, for just $5 a month, you gain access to our bonus content like the Speculation Zone and Paige's erotic vampire novel, Man Eater. 11 and 12 should be out today. Yeah. And if you are looking for a new place uh, to find content that might cheer you up after hearing possibly the saddest story that you will hear this year. No, actually, that's not true. I started saying that and then I realized how many sad stories have happened this year. God, it's a sad time, huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're looking for a place to find a bunch of really awesome content, that's just a good goofy time that's going to make you feel so happy. Might we suggest Rooster Teeth? Uh, <laughs> my favorite part just as a peek behind the curtain i'm currently uh recording this in an airbnb and i've just thought that there's three things that i've yelled out loud enough that everyone else in the building has definitely heard and it's uh when i yelled out what we're going to hell and cock-a-doodle-doo <laughs> <laughs> Your neighbors at this Airbnb are like, he's got a really weird OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Rooster Teeth is an amazing place where you can find a bunch of really fun content and podcasts. They've got shows like Good Morning from Hell, Red Web, Black Box Down. Um, and they've also got a, a bunch of video content like Ruby, uh, Red versus Blue. They stream all the time. It's just a really, really fun place to be. So go ahead and go to roosterteeth.com or download the app on your phone, on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, uh, and join in. 
it's a really, really fun time, and uh, we really, really love being a part of the network, despite the fact that we are constantly at odds with how loud we are allowed to yell rooster noises every time we bring them up. <laughs> Turn it up to 11. <laughs> uh, hey, if you want to send me funny memes that are going to make me feel better after having to put my head in this world for about two two full weeks two pl- actually two plus weeks um i would be it would be much appreciated and you could send those to me on uh instagram twitter tiktok wherever at mondo does stuff that's m-a-n-d-o does stuff hey guys it's me your girl uh i'm <laughs> i'm here uh <laughs> If you want to send me your favorite peyote recipes, don't. Uh, don't blow up my spot. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. You ever had a nice peyote bread? Mm. 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 Yeah, so mm. good. I'm trying to get mm. some peyote focaccia in here. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check out the comic I've been working on, you can get more information at fairsquarecomics.com or visit their Kickstarter page. It's going to be super duper fun. And you can hit me up at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok. And I love all of you. Bye. Todd, where can the people find you? If your listeners want to send me their favorite recreational drugs that I should definitely try when I come out to L.A., (laughs) they can find me online at Todd J. Awesome on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I guess not Facebook because what are you, 80? But like Instagram, Twitter, (laughs) All of that stuff. It's really only Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you know, that's where you can find me. First of all, yeah. we both run very popular podcast groups on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And you have just insulted everyone in there. As far as I know, they're all 80-year-olds stacked on top of each other wearing a trench coat. Which which makes them one 80-year-old, right? Yeah, Mondo? exactly. One very tall 80-year-old. <laughs> that's right, Facebook users. You're the new New Hampshire. We're coming for your ass now. <laughs> no, no. No, I love our Facebook group. It literally is the only reason I go on Facebook at this point. I, I don't even look at my friends list because it's really just like family members that I don't talk to anymore because they're super mormon and i just can't deal with that and uh you know i just don't even acknowledge it really it's just for the groups if you like todd and you want to make him feel better about his shitty family you should go listen to (laughs) (laughs) extended family my my close family it's great yeah yeah. not mormon anymore yeah if you know we got out completely joking if (laughs) if you enjoyed hearing todd on our show today then you should go check out the other shows that he does with our very own Paige wesley yeah hello I'm here too. Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod, which are two very, 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 very funny shows that I enjoy listening to a lot. Yes. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so by going to at Colt Podcast. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. And if you want to mail us peyote, don't. That's illegal. <laughs> Wanky blinky. <laughs> Wanky blinky. Yeah. But if you want to mail us... <laughs> Uh, adult documentaries about you doing Tai Chi. Yeah. Not going to stop you. And then when I open the DVD case, it's peyote. Wink, wink. <laughs> winky, blinky. <laughs> she said adult documentary. I thought it was going to be called like Tai Chi and Do Me or something like that. Like, <laughs> Oh, I just got that you guys were talking about porn. I thought you guys were talking <laughs> about like... <laughs> little tiny up cheese yeah yeah because you guys said you guys said adult documentary and i was like like fucking pbs or something Jeez, <laughs> i don't want to watch that just no. david attenborough being like the stepbrother 
walks into. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they commence the mating ritual. I don't. I can't do accents. <laughs> is that David Attenborough? I can't do accents. I'm so sorry. I th- I know this is so stupid, but I it's it stems from a conversation I had with Paige earlier. But I I would kill to watch a a a, a porn movie that was narrated by Werner Herzog. Like I just want that guy <laughs> to narrate everything. He's my favorite. And if we look at the meaningfulness of the universe and how we are all just specks <laughs> of dust. And you will see him insert the phallus. Yeah, it would be you great. You see him insert the phallus as death inserts itself into all of our lives. <laughs> this sex is as meaningless as your own existence. That's right, Kevin. I know you're watching this at the local library. I'm Werner Herzog, and your life is meaningless. <laughs> All right, so if if you are Werner Herzog, if you if you are Werner, if, if, you if you're Werner Herzog and you want to send them a cease and desist, no no no, if you if you're Werner Herzog and you've listened to Maneater and you want to tell me how meaningless and terrible it is in explicit detail, you can send that to us at three seven five six West Avenue forty Suite K number two thirty seven. Like the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I, for this one, I'm going to say uh, don't drink anything that comes out of a dysfunctional anus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, to be a small little note, I don't think you should drink anything that comes out of an anus, period. But also, I'm not a doctor. me neither i'm pretty sure you shouldn't though uh and don't drink the kool-aid bye Bye. Bye. another day ends for the cold podcast crew (laughs) and as they have ended their jokes they realize they must go back to their meaningful lives that will end as the sun sets i don't know i (laughs) it's gonna end tonight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right, Todd. Werner Herzog is coming to kill you. <laughs> I'll fucking end your life, man. I don't fuck around. <laughs> fuck around and find out. 